I'm really excited today that uh, we get to have Dr. Bob Blinko with us. Um, Bob, uh, he, he came in Thursday. He was wearing an Oregon Duck sweatshirt. He, you live in Arizona, right? So I was a little confused. I thought maybe he has a sweatshirt like nearby, uh, everywhere he goes of, of the college there. And I said, I didn't know you liked the Ducks. And he said, I was on that field every Saturday for four years. I'm like, really? He said, yes, playing the French horn at halftime. So uh, Bob was there. <laughs> I love Bob. Um, they, they gave me a, a little bio on Bob. He, uh, he's been the director of, uh, of U.S. operations for Frontiers for 20 years. In 91, um, following the Gulf War, he led a Frontiers team to the Middle East, uh, working among the Kurds in, uh, in northern Iraq. I've spent probably less than three hours uh, with Bob. I got to meet him several months ago. Uh, here's what I know about Bob. is He, he loves Christ, and he longs for this world to hear about Jesus. Uh, and specifically, he's been working for Muslims to come and hear about Christ. So uh, I'd like to invite Bob up with us. <coughs> cool. Yeah, you can clap. Thank you. Thank you for your friendship, Greg. Uh, you're my new friend. Gary's my old friend. I knew him in Port Angeles. You know, you can have new friends and you can have old friends, but at my age, you don't get any new old friends, so take care of the ones you've got, right? <laughs> now, I'm going to read the scriptures in an unusual language this morning. Let's see. Do we get this up on the screen now? I'd like to draw your attention to this small blue book. This is the Gospel of John in the Kurdish language of northern Iraq. This is the first book of the Bible ever translated into Bahdini Kurdish, a language spoken, spoken by fewer than two million people in the world. Is it worth it that the smallest languages in the world should also hear the Gospels in their own language? Uh, my family and I... <coughs> We were the first American missionary family to live in Iraq in a long, long time. And the Kurds are back in the news today, Brother Greg, because they live between Iraq and a hard place. Ha ha. And uh, I want to give you a copy of the book I wrote on the mission to the Kurds, Ethnic Realities in the Church, Lessons to Kurdistan. Uh, that means <clears throat> it's two copies that have been sold this year, which is uh. amazing. Bob always gives me books, yeah. which is pretty great. So I'm going to read in the Kurdish language. Imagine if you were hearing the Word of God in your own language for the first time, and this, this passage reveals Jesus Christ's understanding of himself as the Son of God with a father and the sheep who will hear his voice. And then my brother Greg is going to translate for me. What do you think about that? Mizginya Johanna. The Gospel of John. Pishka Dahe. Chapter 10. Charda Hatta Shazda. Verses 14 through 16. Isaiah Gut. Jesus said, As Shivane Basham. I am the Good Shepherd. Wu as Barthet Chudunyasam. I know my sheep. Wu Barthet Menjimin Dinyasen. And my sheep know me. Wu Kubab Mendinyaset. Just as the Father knows me. Wu as We Dinyasam. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Now this. And 
and I have other sheep were, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Thank you so much, brother. Let the good news come now, O God, not only in words, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Man, we could have preached on the text which Pastor Greg read at the beginning, Isaiah 25, 6 through 8. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare a feast for all the peoples. That's a plural. We have to think of the world the way the Bible and God understands it in terms of a great number, but a finite number of people groups, ethnic realities, languages. And the gospel has come to some of them, leaving a, a certain number, a great number, without the hope of Jesus Christ in their own language or without missionaries yet. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare a feast for all the peoples, a feast of meat and wine. On this mountain, the Lord will remove the shroud of death that covers the nations and wipe away every tear. I know a lot of people that are crying today because their children are not safe. And we have to take back the night in Camas and Vancouver and Portland. I get that. But I plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the children of Baghdad this morning, the children of northern Syria, the Mapila people of southern India, and those who are still totally without God and without hope in this world. These are the last, the lost. And at this, the 11th hour of history, I believe God's going to astonish his people and the angels and the whole world with a great ingathering like has never been seen before in the history of the world. I have other sheep. They too must hear my voice. This is where history is going. They, I must bring them also. This is the destiny towards which all human events are moving. This is why there are openings today that didn't exist yesterday, and there will be openings tomorrow if the people of God will go ahead as far as they can see by faith and be there when the openings happen, like you are doing with the wonderful lady from your your own beliefs. Pastor Garrick prayed for her this morning. Yeah, she's living in India. You know, 500 million people in India wake up every day without a toilet of their own, and we are recruiting for India. Our international director moved to Delhi. He said, I wake up every day to the sound of birds choking. And yes, we're recruiting for, for Delhi and Bangladesh and Pakistan and Chad and the places which are so unusual because there's nobody there to welcome you at the airport. But I believe some among God's people are going to hear his voice, nudge their spouse, talk to the pastor as singles, and ask, Lord, what about me? What about my friends? Thank you for hosting Frontiers. We've been here all weekend with uh, a good group of people who gave us three days to think together about the great cause of the task remaining and to try and figure out at the initial stage God's call upon their lives to go. And some have the grace to go. We sang this morning about the grace that saves, and that's Ephesians 2.8. But Ephesians 3.8, that's the grace to go. Though I am the very least of the saints, Paul's understanding of himself, 3.8. Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace has been given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the fathomless riches of Christ. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the least of the saints. Look at the people that apply to frontiers. They're... They're not the brightest pencils in the silverware drawer. 
I don't need a compass to know which way the wind shines. That's, that's not it either. But uh, the point is, this is a calling upon the lives for pretty normal Christians to sell their possessions and to cry to say goodbye at PDX airport and to get on a plane to places where no one is going to greet you and to take up your life and to find that God has prepared Muslim people, godly Muslim people who are ready to be the first to believe. Oh my gosh, if you can think of anything more exciting than that, you'll have to tell me because I can't. No wonder Jordan Sparks, Jordan Groom said, if God calls me to be a missionary, I would not stoop to be a king. And then the rewards. Oh, the incentives. The same as what Christ felt as his incentive, that he would glorify his Father in heaven, is the same incentive that drives us. Tremendous reward, I tell you, says Christ in Mark chapter 10. There is no one who's given up fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, and land that will not be rewarded in this life a hundred times more. New brothers and sisters, new fathers and mothers, and suffering, and in the life to come, eternal life. So I am in this for myself. <gasps> Self-will. No. I have chosen a life which I think is the best life for me. I buy in very deeply to John Piper's term, Christian hedonism. I'm in this because I've decided what's in it for me. The same as Abraham, blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So, uh, yes, there is a life of, of self-denial and uh, suffering that the world doesn't understand. Many Christians don't get it either. But don't suppose that that's the entire story. These light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory which far outweighs them all. So I appeal to you, what is the Lord doing in your hearts? I don't want to make people feel unnecessarily guilty like, unless you're called to stay, you better go. No. But there is a calling to stay Bonafide, certifiable, nine out of ten are called to stay, but in a room full of 150 people, that means about 15 called to go. I wonder if you're listening to the Lord. Hear his voice today. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. They too must hear my voice. And he's going to use his most weak link in the whole of the chain. You know he could have sent the cherubim and the seraphim. He could have sent 10,000 angels. no tends the least of the saints. And I hope you're in touch with yourself to know you're, you're probably the least, least likely. We send missionaries in cooperation with churches. That's the fundamental understanding of our calling. We are the U.S. sending base of frontiers. We're not even the headquarters of frontiers. There's no headquarters of frontiers. We're a flat organization. Every time we send a team, we virtually start another small appropriate mission agency which is semi-autonomous and is like Paul's uh, missionary band. It's making final decisions on the field, but held accountable to other teams to be part of the godly way of the Lord, to thrive and to stay on task and take care of their relationships. We don't have a central body, a hierarchy, a district superintendent. So when we send teams, like we are out of the Portland area, uh, we, we, we send teams that are allowed to go with their friends, find their own teams, church-based teams. Oh my gosh, church-based teams, a, ch a church which could hear from the Holy Spirit about the people from its own membership, an Antioch experience. Can you think of anything more exciting? There's very few songs written about sending missionaries. So I had to write one myself.
And when I see this beautiful Steinway piano behind me, by the way, I was at a church across the street from Carnegie Hall two weeks ago, and they told me that their grand piano was given by Van Cliburn, the pianist who won the 1958 Tchaikovsky piano competition. What does hinder me from embarrassing myself this morning and playing the only song I've ever written, but it's a song about sending missionaries? Would that be all right? Imagine that you are present in our office on a Thursday morning, the best morning of the week, when we send out new missionaries. And uh, we're going to send her like the others where there are no pushpins on anybody's missionary maps. We're going to send them where there's no campfires around which we think of the campfires, the church, going beyond into the pot of ink on the other side of the, the mountains where there's no, no gospel message. So imagine you're there and you're a little wondering how white people would actually come to the place where they would want to have someone lay hands on them and send them out. So, <clears throat> where's middle C? Oh, yeah, right here. <laughs> oh, no, that's Rachmaninoff's Opus 3. That was for Carnegie Hall two weeks ago. Sorry. <clears throat> Try this. I kept my eye on you when we prayed you out today. I know you said, don't cry for me, but what can I say to me? You're brave and noble, faithful and true. You were blessed to be a blessing and I have my eye on you. And there they go, footprints through the farthest snows, going where there are no pushpins in any missionary maps. As God sent his son, so we are sending you to the final frontiers everywhere they go there. I read the book of Romans, where you said you got your call to go beyond the ranges like the Apostle Paul. You asked me not to say that those are God-forsaken lands, for the day is coming soon when they'll all be in his hands. And there they go, footprints through the farthest snow, going where there are no pushpins in any missionary maps. As God sent his son, so we are sending you to the final frontiers everywhere they go there. I saw you by the light of the campfire, talking with your friends, pointing toward the night. And when you stood and asked if we would pray for you, someone said, you know there are a lot of needs here too. But there's a far horizon where the Father's calling you. So go with God and go with our love too. We have our eyes on you. Now a message for my Muslim friends, should they hear this message. I lived seven years in the Middle East. 
among Muslims, and now it's my great privilege with my team that's here today to be sending more teams every month, every year to the Muslim world. Here's my message for those who have heard from Islam that no one is coming for them from on high, because the message of Islam is that Allah does not care for humanity, does not live in the heaven where Muslims are going, never shows up in a personal way. And when Christ reveals himself as he did in the scriptures right now, I am the good shepherd, there's no such corresponding characteristic in the Allah of the Bible. Oh, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me. The, I know the, these are terms of relationship, deep caring, the voice of God. So I'm going to give a message here, if I may, heartfelt to Muslims who have heard the, the lie that no one is coming for them. Someone is coming for you, you in the darkness, living on the dark side. When they told you in the mosque or in the temple that no one was coming for you, they told a lie. God loves you and he's sending someone to bring you love and light and goodness and mercy. Look up and live. Someone is coming to deliver you from evil. Someone good, someone true, lovely and brave. Get ready for the light. Get ready for the light of God. Someone is coming who will lead you to God and save you. It won't be long now. Your deliverance draweth nigh. You will hear because we respect your culture, your language most of all. You will hear because love finds a way. You will hear because of the power of the word and deed, miracles and signs, and the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, verse 8. You will hear because we will adapt to your culture. You will hear because we will save you from your depravity. You will hear because whole households will come to faith in the biblical way. Multitudes will hear because and come to faith in disciple-making movements. You will hear because Christians are laying down their lives for you. You will hear as Christians recognize that some of us have the grace to go. Jesus loves us, this we know, giving us the grace to go. You will hear as we confront the brutal facts how few dollars in the plate go to send to the frontier places and peoples. You will hear as we keep praying to identify the people of peace in your own midst to partner with with the love of God compelling and the Holy Spirit empowering and the witness of the martyrs looking down and the promises of God in play, we are going to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. And if you can think of anything better than that, as I might have said, you'll have to tell me. I'm married to my wife, Jan. We've been married 43 years. What do you think about that? Yeah. I told her if I knew she was going to be this beautiful after 40, 43 years, I, I would have started taking better care of myself a long time ago. <laughs> we live in Arizona, the Grand Canyon State. Come visit us. We've got a guest room. I'd like to take you to the Grand Canyon. Jan and I worship on an Indian reservation in Arizona. We pedal our tandem bike to the reservation and worship with the Pima Indians because we like it on Sundays. My father turned 92 last week. I live with good family, but he's moved into a retirement home just this month to take care of his sister, pictured here, who's 100 years old. What do you think about that? That's my family. We're going where there are no pushpins and any missionary maps. We're going to give the Bible to people and the Word of God as 
I read it to you. Did you hear the word of the Lord? I have other sheep that are not of this fold. My wife and I wanted to get in on this good deal of going to the farthest places where there are no pushpins. We studied Arabic in Jordan in 1990. That very year, Saddam invaded his neighboring country, Kuwait. An enormous uh, seismic event happened in the Middle East. It's still seizing upon the, the whole of the region until this very day. Uh, it created enormous numbers of refugees. These are Kurdish refugees. And when they fled their homes to find a safe place, I went in and translated for the US military. And my whole family was able to join me when Operation Provide Comfort came to a close. God rewarded our faith to go where there were no pushpins, to make our home among Muslims and find that there was a welcoming number of people that wanted us there. We suffered hardships not worth mentioning. We lived without electricity for the first four years. Without telephones, it seems practically Stone Age compared to our present time. We slept on the roof like all the neighbors did, where we could say goodnight to everybody and where you could get a little night breeze in the heat of summer. There was, truth be told, a price on my head. You might say I was wanted by Saddam Hussein. However, the price was only $20, and that was kind of humiliating. <coughs> when a television crewman came from the United States to video our family from here in Portland, maybe I can think of his name. We represented Medical Teams International out of Beaverton, which used to be called Northwest Medical Teams International. I was the country director for Iraq, so there was quite an interest in Portland among our work. That's when we realized that we were the only missionary family living in Iraq. And he asked me, he asked my wife, what is it like to raise your family in northern Iraq? My children were 10, 7, and 4. And she said, Iraq is a great place to raise a family. Uh, maybe that's why we're all still in therapy. But not really. Let my kids speak for themselves. They had a tremendous time living cross-culturally on the edge, made their friends among Muslims and Kurds, and uh, we can offer that to you. Have faith in God. There comes a point in a person's heart. We've come to that point in the weekend here with our friends. We've, you finally have to say no more questions. Questions can be a, a lateral move, a side move. More uh, information. We're already full of information as much as SpongeBob has this great big yellow head with very little arms and very little legs that are moving very small places in the, in the American Christian world. Let's have faith in God. I, I, I just want to say that much. Have faith in God. What is he telling you to do, like Abraham was told, like Jesus said must happen? Uh, and get yourself in the place where you'll be a Christian whose concerns are not only to bless the blessed, but also to bless the rest. I think that's the call. Isaiah, 20, Isaiah 49, another great passage, it is too small a thing for you to restore the tribes of Jacob that I have preserved. I will make you as a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is the calling of God upon our lives. It must happen. I'm going to make a prediction today based upon Christ's words in John chapter 10 that the great destiny towards which all the world is moving is that the sheep who are yet to hear his voice will hear his voice. So what must happen before Revelations 22? is fulfilled. What must happen before the end will come? This gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony to all the Gentiles, and then the end will come. This is the only place in the Bible these six words are used. And then the end will come. I'd propose to you that of all the important things given to the Christian people to be about, there is one most urgent, and then the end will come. And 
kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. And how long is that? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So what must happen before the end? I'm going to make a prediction, so get ready to text your friends. You're, able to, you're going to be able to say you were there when it was first predicted. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm from a nonprofit organization. <laughs> what must happen before the end? Unexpected things. There, you heard it here first. But these unexpected things happen through the authority of the one who said, go and make disciples among the nations, baptizing them, teaching them, because yesterday there were closed countries that are going to be open tomorrow if you will get as close as you can to where the opening is going to take place. And tomorrow they will open, and the next day they may close, and you will say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will for me to go. Have faith in God. That's God's will. Have faith in God today. If he's telling you what to do, obey what he has to say today. Go through that door. You can't see through the next ten doors. I assure you, with the words of Christ himself, you will be rewarded a hundred times more if you will put your faith in God today and believe him for strange things. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out, and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that will surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. We can actually see an end of the number of Muslim people groups still to be engaged, and I'm carrying with me today a marvelous list created by our missionaries. We've asked them, where are the places beyond where you are, where there is nobody yet? And this list of 100 priority peoples and places in the Muslim world is our priority because we think it's God's priority. There are the tough places. Listen to these countries, Afghanistan, Algeria, Bangladesh, Chad, India, and so it goes, Sudan, Turkey, Yemen. But within those countries, there are 100 priority peoples and places beyond, and you can be the first where there are no campfires, where there's no voice of the Lord, where there are no pushpins in the map. Is that exciting to you and uh, to, the re- to release your children to go to these places? I can help you. We can help you, but you've got to take a look at the list. And when those are done, we'll try and finish the work in the rest of the places until we get to zero. We are truly in a countdown from 100 known places and beyond that, no doubt, 900 more. If we can bring the hope of Jesus Christ, start the work of the gospel, see churches planted, see movements begin in these places, then we think our part of the Great Commission, our small part, will be fulfilled. And then the end will come. And if you can think of anything better, as I might have said. I'm holding in my hands today a train whistle, Pastor Greg. Should I blow it? In church? No, this is the end times train whistle. I can't blow this till the final day. But maybe at the end I will give you a sample of what it's going to sound like. The train whistle which says all aboard. But it's not all aboard yet because look at what's happening on the horizon as people from all the countries make their way to the passenger train that's adding more and more cars down the tracks as far as you can see over the horizon. We're all going to meet at the dine-in car. Many shall come from east and west and take their places at the dining car with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Take their places, take their places. That means assigned seating with strangers. That's the predestination verse, my friend. If you open the door, I'll eat with you. This is the God who 
who wants to be with you for all time, and this is the unique God. If you've grown weary of, supposed to weary of looking at your Bible and not finding anything new, look at it from the point of view of someone who's going to see it for the first time, who's been told the lie, no one's coming for you, no one wants to eat with you, no great person in history of our religion, their religion, is on his way to rescue you. No! In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Let these words nourish you again from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what's really happening out there in the world. Yeah. Somebody told me I should wait till the Middle East calms down. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think they said the same thing to Samuel Zwamer in 1890. He was the first American missionary to the Arab Peninsula, I think Saudi Arabia up today. No doubt they said to him, uh, it's pretty dicey over there, Samuel. You should wait till the Middle East calms down. And I imagine that 2,000 years ago when God the Father told the angels that it's time for the prophecies to be fulfilled in Bethlehem, we're gonna, my son will be born there, they surely could have said, Father, why don't you wait till the Middle East calms down? There's a Herod down there, and people are liable to get hurt. And then you have no joy to the world. You have no hallelujah chorus. We are going because the needs are like this now in the non-redeemed part of the world. We have forgotten how the world that we live in became called the free world. I tell you that the free world is exactly the same place where Christianity and missionaries have had their most influence. We have seen the free world created and forgotten how it came into existence. So we're going to go and bring about the hope of Jesus Christ for the, for the world to come, but also the free world now. Liberty and justice for all, for the peoples that are now crying out because they are without hope and without God. That's why I'm believing that if you'll go, we're going to go past where the maps have been made, where there's dragons. Uh, going to the places where the needs are so great. This distended view of the world shows you where the frontier peoples live. And yeah, there are some in North America. Let's work with our neighbors. The Lord has done something marvelous in our time, bringing the unreached peoples to North America. But it's very thin pickings compared to the great, vast millions of people that live in South Asia, Africa, uh, and uh, Southeast Asia, Middle East. So I'm going to Baghdad next month in two weeks God willing, with my wife and some people that want to go and consider moving there. And if you can think of anything more exciting than that. But look, the news this morning is pretty bad out of Baghdad. So would you, would you pray for me? We're going to go buy those tickets, go ahead as far as we can see. I've been there twice in the last year. Chris Lang here went with me just in June. And we thought there was a narrow open door, you know, to try and get some people there. Before God Almighty, please, Lord, we pray to you that you would... Allow us to send people to even the most unlikely places in this time. That the hope of Jesus Christ might quench the fires of the devil. We are going to the Narnias of the world, my friend. Where it's always winter and never Christmas. And there's a deep, dark force controlling the people, turning people into statues. And the world cannot end like that. Not with Aslan on the move. Not with the children of God obeying. I can hear in some special way the cries of children who are at risk in the world. I think it's because of the way I was raised in my own home. I am, 
I am frankly the oldest of 334 children who were in my father and mother's home because they took in children that were at risk for 50 years. Beginning in 1958, the children that were not wanted, and they were foster-adopt children. You know. So you think of this great text of Jesus Christ. There's enough here to send you to be missionaries. If you can't go for your own reward for the hundred times of more that you're going to receive in this life and also in the world, then go, for God's sake, go for the children who are at risk today. And for the women that are at risk. Because Jesus Christ, His voice, His power, His goodness attracts people that are degraded and, and are ground into the, into the earth by terrible forces and terrible people. And it can't end like that. It makes me very mad the way that uh, the world mistreats its vulnerable people, its the strangers among them. In, in C.S. Lewis's book, Paralandra, this space, outer space book, the Earth visitor to another planet, his name is Ransom, he watches as a marvelous creation of another world takes place, and God has placed a paradise and a, a, a couple called, let's call them Adam and Eve, on this other planet. But there's also the dark force already present, and this is what Ransom is there to do battle with. And the dark force says to Ransom, still sends the chill up the back of my head, I have come that they might have death and might have it abundantly. So there's the real world towards which we're going. We're going to where the children are crying today, and we want to relieve their tears, because as you read this morning, God will wipe away every tear, and death shall be no more. And we want to go to a world that this man foresaw. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Do you believe that that's the world that God wants to create? Every man will live in peace under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. Micah chapter 4, verse 4. No one will make them afraid, because the word of the Lord has been spoken. So here's my mother in the second decade of a five-decade career. We took care of 50 babies the first decade, starting in 1958. The second decade, another 50 more. The third decade, 50 more babies. The fourth decade, another 50 babies. The fifth decade, another 50 babies. We, we lost track at 250 babies that have been through our home. And when my parents renewed their wedding vows, on their 67th wedding anniversary, my family was there to say what a difference in the world they've made. This was our family mission, right where we are. And if you can think of anything better than that, as I might have said. Someday it's going to be a beautiful day in the neighborhood, not only in your family, the family that I stayed with in last night, the families that hosted us, for which we're so grateful, but the families today which are at risk. It has already begun when Jesus Christ is the Lord of the home. But listen to me. Jesus has other sheep and also other lambs. He must bring them also. The little ones will hear his voice and come to the good shepherd. The little children will come to Jesus and be safe. So for God's sake, do it for the children. When the great numbers of people out there turn to God and bow the knee, listen to me. We're going to fight and we're going to win against the darkness. And if you can think of it even better than that, as I might have said. So now is the time. Now is the time. You are the ones. We are the ones. We cannot wait for the Middle East or the other parts of the world to calm down. So I say in closing, some of us have to go with the oath that the Coast Guard takes. You have to go out. You don't have to come back.
Don't be under any illusion. Some of our sons and daughters will give the last full measure of devotion before our mission goal is achieved. As the dwarf said in Tolkien's movie, Return of the King, victory is impossible, death is likely. What are we waiting for? Friends, on some future day when this spiritual victory has been achieved, we will look back to this day and give thanks to God that though we felt foolish like Moses, stuttering before the pharaohs of the world, in our weakness we did proclaim the peace, the salam, the shalom that the Middle East and indeed the whole world needs now, all for the majesty of thee, high king of glory, all for thee, for thine is the dominion and the holiness and the splendor and the adoration and the magnificence and the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and how long is that? Forever and ever. And when you get done with all the forever and evers, then amen. Amen. Thanks be to God Almighty. Amen. All aboard! This train is bound for glory. Get your ticket ready. And look down the line there. How many more people are already getting on board from the most least likely places in the world? If you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me because I can't.